Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the most stupendous episode of the Middle-Aged Outlaws podcast there's been yet. The episode, what did you just say there? The episode you didn't think you would hear. We episode, the episode we thought they would never hear. Yeah. This is our third attempt at recording this podcast. First time, I was having some serious boxer shorts issues. Due <laughs> <laughs> some some ill health. <laughs> Second time, technical issues. Third time, let's touch wood and make sure that we can actually get through this. Hopefully it's recording. <laughs> this is episode 27 and we are going to talk about one of the um, one of the biggest summer slams ever, Adam, would you say? Yeah, I would say so. Absolutely. It certainly felt like it from my, I assume, our point of view. From a nine-year-old and a eleven-year-old, is that right? Uh, yeah, I was eleven. Yeah, yeah. very impressionable. Well, I would say at this point in time, SummerSlam nineteen ninety-two, um, wrestling was probably hitting its. Uh, I don't know if its peak is the right thing to say, but it was. It was definitely hitting a sort of frenzy in my life, um, and it felt like this was a really good way to capitalise on it. Um, from the WWF's point of view, as far as I could tell business was down in in America but um, their European tours were apparently going very well um, and that's what led them to bring SummerSlam to Wembley Stadium so there you go yeah SummerSlam 1992 brought to you by Pro. oh do you know see when see when it started and you, you hear Vince doing that I had like flashbacks but as a kid, and I'm thinking when I'm watching this, I'm maybe about 12, 13, possibly, when I'm watching this for the first time, depending on whenever it came out on, on VHS. Mm. Um, and I had absolutely no idea what Ico Pro was, but I still remembered him saying it and doing, what is it for everybody that loves their body or yeah. something like that? <laughs> Imagine you asking your mum and dad if you could get some Ico Pro for your, <laughs> for your Christmas. <laughs> Right. Amazing. <laughs> before we jump into, before we jump into, um, before we jump into this amazing um, pay per view, I've got some facts around August nineteen ninety two, which is when this took place. Adam, so you ready? Awesome. Go for it. Uh, August nineteen ninety two, Linford Christie won the Olympic gold medal in the men's one hundred meters at the Barcelona Olympics. Okay, I remember that. Do you remember Queens, Barcelona? So. Mm, yes, I do. Yes. Uh, Unforgiven, starring Clint Eastwood, Gene Hackman and Morgan Freeman was released. Nice. Classic Western. Um, Metallica singer James Hetfield suffered second and third degree burns on stage in Canada. Do you remember that one? 
I remember hearing about it. I think they cover it on the uh, Some Kind of Monster yep. um, release. Yeah. Um, that sounded and looked pretty brutal from what you saw. Um, and some sig- significant, they're absolutely not significant, but some significant um, births and a significant death. Demi Lovato was born in August of 1992. Do you know who that is, Adam? Uh, I've heard of her. Okay. Uh, and Francis Bean Cobain was ah. also born then. And um, a significant death, Arthur Lee Allen, the, ah. the man that they thought might have been the Zodiac Killer. Yeah. So he's unfortunately passed away, but certainly not if he butchered a bunch of people, we wouldn't want to say that. But Yeah. Fair. They never... Yeah. They never, uh, they never proved anything against you, Arthur. Although that guy that played him in the film was pretty sinister. Yeah, good film though. Yes, cracking. Yeah. So, I was very excited to watch this. It's obviously been years and years and years since I've watched it. What about you? Yeah, I, I, I haven't watched it. I don't think I've watched it in my, um, certainly my years of having the network. I can't remember when I kind of got rid of my videos it would have been a very long time ago so we're talking decades i think since i've watched this and you uh, i'm sure we've touched on this before but you had an unbelievable vhs collection i did i did and i was a bit heartbroken to get rid of them all but you just wouldn't need them now and i figured any that i really wanted i would then replace on dvd and now dvds aren't a thing anymore either and what did you buy you bought like did you buy every wrestlemania on dvd you yeah, a massive big thing, didn't you? Yeah, it was a collection. I can't remember how, how far it went up. Was it like 1 to 25 or something like that? Um, uh, it was. It was. I've still got those somewhere. Have you? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, awesome. Oh, well, we, we can get rid of the network and we'll just start watching <laughs> our way through these. So, yeah, like I say, I was really excited. Sat down and watched this. And then 56 seconds in... And I wanted to switch off. <laughs> Do you know, you, you sort of immerse yourself at this time, 1992, kayfabe is alive, the Undertaker's coming out in the back of a hearse. And then this little child just completely exposes the business within seconds of switching this on. He says the British Bulldog is going to win, whether he wants to or not. Yeah. What? <laughs> So you took that as exposing the business. I thought the kid was being a wee bit threatening. <laughs> They're speaking all these little little British kids, these little English kids, and then this, I don't know if he's putting on an American accent or not, but yeah, he obviously knew what was going on. <laughs> he knew that British Bulldog had been with Jim Neidhart. <laughs> oh. oh. But, yeah. Yeah, I was I, I was looking forward to this, and, I, and I'm sure obviously we're going to talk through it. But I actually really, really enjoyed watching it back. I, I kind of got the impression that you maybe didn't. I I enjoyed some of it. <laughs> I didn't I didn't enjoy all of it. I mean, the whole look and the the feel of the occasion was amazing. Mm-hmm. Wembley looks incredible. Yeah, it does. Um, and the yeah, it, it's just. It's kind of not like anything you've ever heard. It's It's got this feel about it. And obviously, the fans that are there are not used to this kind of thing happening. Um, I suppose in the major cities, the major markets in America, 
I'm not saying they get, you know, they, they get a, a bit used to it, you know, or a bit sort of desensitized to how big an occasion it is because they've maybe been to a few shows. These people, the vast majority of them, um, will not have seen an awful lot of live WWF and will not have seen a live pay-per-view, you know, the vast majority of them anyway. And they're just so up for the occasion. It's amazing. Totally. It's brilliant. It's that, there's a definite sort of innocence. You know, like now we see, and in, in years go by, you see people in the crowd and they're either video on their phone, they're mm. laughing at what's going on, or they're, a lot of the time, they're not actually that interested, in, especially in like a, you know, like a Nails versus Vil- Virgil um, equivalent yeah. of whatever that is today. Um, you know, people come to see their favourite sort of thing, but here, like you say, it just there's a massive pop for Virgil. Yeah, like they're just loving it. It's like a proper um, amazing occasion. There's there's a massive pop for Virgil, and I'm picking up my phone when he's coming out. Oh, and I'm just... <laughs> it's like that, is it? That's horrendous. Poor Virgil. I feel bad now. So obviously on this show, the Intercontinental Championship goes on last. Um, I wonder if this show and, and this match, this main event, which we'll get to, I wonder if that solidifies or has some sort of significance to us um, of just how prestigious we think about the Intercontinental title. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thought because, you know, we'd we'd kind of had it uh, put down our our throats to some extent growing up watching wrestling that that is the title that the best worker has. Um, And then to spotlight it in the main event match at at a pay-per-view, at a pay-per-view taking place in the UK. Um, Yeah, and we're... We're used to seeing it being maybe the best quality wrestling match on a card in the past, mm-hmm. um, but for it to actually get the main event spotlight, um, obviously because Bulldog is you know the 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 local boy as such, um, and Brett is always seemed to be incredibly popular in Europe yeah. as well, yeah. uh, and I've heard it talked about lots of times. Like Portugal, Brett was right? like. He, he was like, he was like Hulk Hogan in Europe. Yeah. And you've even heard, you know, people who maybe don't agree with everything he says and does acknowledge that just how big a draw he was in Europe. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the popularity of the two, and again, we can talk about that in, in detail when we get there, but the, the fans are, are massively hyped for a match like that because it's their guy against a guy that they already hold in pretty high esteem. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to think that this, this went on last when when Macho Man versus all that what like two probably the two biggest their their two biggest stars yeah um, is is on the bill as well yeah it's absolutely incredible mm-hmm. um, I was going to talk about the the smoking crack thing now but why do we, we speak about that come the main when, event, we, will we? when we get there yeah okay that's fine okay well from one drug abuser to another let's let's start. Not, that's not that sounds like I'm talking about me and you. I'm talking about going from the bulldog to hawk, of course. So we're, oh. we're kick off. What better way to kick off than with the Legion of Zoom coming out on motorbikes? <laughs> like it's, for a massive big pay per view like that, people have never seen this before. Obviously, money ain't come out first. 
It's awesome. And like, you talk about, we'll, we'll mention it a few times as we go, but like star power for a crowd that again are not used to seeing live WWF. Um, you get LOD. And, you know, as a kid, even though a lot of their, their stuff had been in Jim Crockett and WCW, um, I, I knew who LOD were. Um, and they get a, a big reaction from the crowd. I just left with, even before, and I remember thinking this when I was a kid, even before I know what's going on with Hawk, what is this puppet thing? Yes, I'm so glad you said that. Rocco. Why? So this is a Paul, er- Paul Ellering thing, apparently. It had a storyline, I think. Um, yeah, I have no idea. I've literally got a question here saying, what is Rocco? What is that weird puppet thing? Because they're making now, a thing of it. I, I, they probably sold them. Yeah, and and that's fine, and I I get it. It's just if if you think of you know LOD, you're thinking the shoulder pads, mm-hmm. you're thinking you know the badasses, um, and this puppet thing just seems so out of place connected with them. And when I was looking it up, because I I remembered you know uh, as I got older hearing about the Hawk stuff and all that, and then I was looking it up when we were watching these, and uh, apparently Hawk hated Rocco as well, and it, it played a yeah, he, he he just thought that this this should not be associated with LOD, yes. and um, he you know he's he's clearly not in the best place here as as we're going through this. But apparently that was a bit of an icing on the cake thing in terms of well, I I, I don't want to be here anymore if this is the kind of thing they're doing to my tag team. Wow, well, he leaves after this. Don't know if you know that he, he stays. Yeah, he stays in the UK. I think. Yeah, um, apparently Animal wasn't too pleased with that decision. Um, Hawk basically went AWOL, um, didn't travel back with the rest of them, um, and nobody could contact him for, for a little while. And then, uh, he, I think Animal had to, um, do part of the tour with other people filling in for Hawk, uh, right. just to sort of fulfill the, the contractual obligations. So yeah, um, Hawk was, I'm not sure what it was. Is it drugs? Is it alcohol? Is it both going on here? Um, but he's, he's not in a great place, apparently. There's a passage in Brett's book where he describes looking across the, uh, looking across the uh, changing room and Hawk takes something out of his bag and puts it in his mouth. A, so- a soma, maybe? Muscle uh-huh. relaxant. Um, and sort of sticks his tongue out and then downs it with a cup of coffee. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 I, I, there were a few things I'd heard about it. Like as as the match goes on, um, I heard that they there was a decision made that they weren't going to do the demolition device because Hawk would basically have to be balanced on the top turnbuckle, leap off, and not injure uh, whichever one of Money Inc is taking it as he clotheslines them off Animal's shoulders. Um, so I think they set up to do it at one point, but then they kind of back out of it or he, he falls off or something like that. But yeah, apparently that's why the, the decision was made to, to end it with a power slam. And I'm sure I heard something about how Hawk wasn't maybe really dialed in on what was to happen for the finale of the match. So he's kind of in the ring. Right. When Animal right. hits the power slam and Animal's kind of ushering him out of the ring um, so that they can get the pin and just get the hell out of there, I think. <laughs> and, to, you know, like if we, there's a good, we've probably spoke about this before, there's a good episode of Dark Side of the Ring on the Road Warriors and it speaks about 
this match in particular and, and Hawk being away with the goalie sort of thing. Uh, yeah. And if we didn't know that, I, I, I think, you know, like a, this is a perfectly good match. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, when you know it and when you've heard about it, you look for it and oh. you look for these little things. And I think, you know, when we get on to talk about Brett and Bulldog as well, I mean, I'm watching these matches as a kid, just taking it all in and not, n- nothing really looks amiss to me oh, yeah. because I'm not, I'm not looking for it, if you know what I mean. Yep. No, I agree. And I, I really enjoyed it. And I, it's uh, both, I think both this and another tag team match. Uh, Natural Disasters versus Beverly Brothers are really good examples of sort of um, good, really good tag team matches that follow a formula that you and I are really, really used to watching as Mm -hmm. a kid. But I I don't think the formula gets boring because they do the the little sort of money ink, do the little heel things where they almost make the tag. They reel you into thinking Animal's eventually going to get that hot tag and he doesn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. So by the time they actually get to the hot tag, you are desperate for them to get in. Yeah, um, I think it's a for me, it's a lost art uh, tag team wrestling generally. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree, and yeah, it, it's little things, it's subtle things. A lot of it. Um, there's a, I, I'm sure I must have heard this on commentary about twenty times when Bobby Heenan's doing IRS stuff. But see when you know how he wears a tie in the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and an animal stands on his tie to stop him squirming away. Yeah, like that's a good wee spot. That Bobby Heenan's he's standing on his tongue. <laughs> and Vince, like a wee bit annoyed, that's his tie. <laughs> uh, we've not even mentioned that actually. That's our commentary team, just King and uh, King King Bobby Heenan. Um, he's wearing the crown, uh, but yeah, just Brain and Vince, and they're they're cracking. Yeah, it it works. I, I've I've never I don't know. Vince was never my favourite commentator because I don't know. There's something a bit grating about him in a way, but uh, it it works as a duo with Bobby Heenan. Yeah. So yeah, you've 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 called the finish. Um, this sort of almost finishes abruptly after Animal gets a hot tag, uh, takes them down. I've got something here. Vince can't believe the resilience of Hawk. But maybe if he'd known what he had in his system, he would understand. Uh, but yeah, power slab from Animal and uh, puts the million dollar man away for the one, two, three. And that's a, like I say, it's a good start. Good start to the pay per view. Yeah, and you start the crowd off hot as well because, again, LOD, there, there's some huge names on this pay per view. Uh, and LOD, you know, as a tag team around that era and uh, for a good few years before, they're absolutely huge. Massive. And and it's kind of, for a, a fan based in the UK, it's probably a once-in-a-lifetime thing to see them live. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, started off the show hot. I thought it was a decent match. Again, if I wasn't looking for it, I don't think I would have noticed an awful lot. Um, and, you know, I was never... I, I used to love um, Ted DiBiase and his like early heel days, uh, trying to buy everyone and everything. I was never a huge fan of Money Inc. as a team. They were just kind of, you know, there and heelish. Um, but I thought in in this spot, I thought it worked really well as a match. Yeah, I, told, uh, I liked Money Inc. It's, it's that I think we've spoken about before, that thing of like a tag team with a tag team name and it's not just IRS and the mm. man. And they were very heelish. They'd, did they have Jimmy Hart in their corner? Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, um, and IRS a lot bigger than I remember. Yeah, he is. And it's I, just like the suit that makes you think he just looks like a normal guy, but he's a big guy. 
Yeah, I, I didn't think a lot of him in like the days when he, he came in I was watching, but when you see like his stuff from earlier days in WCW and stuff like that, he's a really well-respected worker and all that. Um, and you can see it, you know, he's technically very good. Um, and they always do the, he hates his name being Irwin, the crowd chant it and all that. Um, just little, little heelish things like that because it's so easy for the crowd to get on somebody's back about something like that. Yeah. So, so we go from our opening bout to the kind of thread of storyline that's going on throughout the pay-per-view, and that is whose corner in the title match between Ultimate Warrior and Macho Man is Mr. Perfect going to be in? Yep. Um, if you're watching this pay-per-view, you know, like, fresh without watching anything in advance, this will probably come as a bit of a surprise to you, and it came as a surprise to me. I do not remember this at all. Yeah. And you were seeing the same, weren't you? Yeah, I, see, I remembered them involving themselves in the match. Right. Because I remembered, you know, the type of finish they ended up being, but I didn't remember the build-up being, you know, obviously they're, they're positioning it that someone has aligned with them. Um and I wondered if it was maybe a, a tactic because you, you've basically got babyface versus babyface yep. in the title match. Mm-hmm. And the way to get some heat on that is to have a heel kind of have them play them off against each other, mm-hmm. if you like. Yep. Um, and I, I could understand it from a storyline point of view, but having it constantly rammed down the throat got quite tiresome. It was a little bit much, wasn't it? Yeah. So, so we had Mean Jean, who takes quite a prominent role in this pay-per-view generally. Um, interviewing Ric Flair Um, again it highlights the sort of um, grand stage that we're on that Ric Flair's here he doesn't have a match but he's still here in the Mm -hmm. UK SummerSlam Um, and he's sort of teasing that I think he says something like Mr Perfect will be in the dressing room of the winner yeah Um, Yeah. um, (laughs) we cut from Mean Gene to Sean Mooney our boy Sean Mooney he's doing an interview with Virgil ahead of his match and I've written here that Virgil cuts an inaudible promo about surviving on all the streets around the world. Um, that was a uh, from it. So I, I, I went into this uh, deliberately like not looking at the, the match lineup before starting the, the pay-per-view. I like to try so, and do that as well. It's difficult. Eh, but it is. Uh, my, my notes though. <laughs> Virgil, on a, Virgil has a promo on a pay-per-view. He has a match on a pay-per-view oh. against Nails. <laughs> Fuck this. <laughs> Class. So Nails, <sighs> I mean, Virgil gets a promo, Nails doesn't even get an entrance. No, that's right, yeah. he theme music. And it, it, it's odd because it, it is like he's the guy they're trying to build up. He's, he's to be a new monster heel, new-ish, I think. Um, but yeah, no entrance, no promo, nothing. Um, the announcers do a bit of work with you know some backstory stuff about he's he he is a an ex con who was seemingly wronged by the big boss man when he was a, a correction officer. Yeah, must um, have been in Cobb County, Georgia. Yeah, must have been. It's not where you wanted to end up back then if yeah. uh, boss man was uh, was working. Yeah, so it, I don't know. It's a little bit like it's longer than a squash match, isn't it? But it's it's a little bit like a slightly extended squash match to to get nails over. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot of sleeper hold, a lot of choking. Yeah, <laughs> not much else. Virgil does some fast stuff a couple of times. It's obviously not a very good match. 
Um, and and Nails goes to work with that nightstick after the match. Yeah. Um, I I mean it's fine for 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 putting someone over who they're clearly looking to build. Um, I don't. You can I think see by the looks of some in the crowd they're a bit like this guy's a bit much. You know he's he's going a bit far. Um, I I, I know he he ended up not lasting all that long in the uh, the WWF. So I, I I take it you know about what happened between. So uh, no point in saying that as a so once Nails eventually got his pay for SummerSlam 92 apparently it paid out in like the December or something like that, he took umbrage with the amount he was paid he went to speak to Vince about this and ended up choking Vince out or, or yeah. just trying to choke him out um, and it then came out that Nails <laughs> said that Vince had attempted to sexually assault him <laughs> and that was why he was choking him Yeah, I don't think many Bought the story. That, that's, um, yeah, I was just going to say that's not a storyline, by the way, because that would be pretty edgy for 1992. And, yeah, and I think that the nails not end up being he he kind of uh, impacted the steroid trial in the end. Yes, because he he basically said that he he hated McMahon he and Vince McMahon's <laughs> guts, is what and then then basically his entire testimony was kind of thrown out because of that. Yeah. And then he went to WCW and became the prisoner and then I, I think WWF took out a lawsuit because it was too close to the, the gimmick. Hmm. Okay. So there you go. That's Nails. Um, we're back backstage this time with Lord Alfred Hayes. Uh, look, well, I'm on the hunt for Mr. Perfect. He's him. Um, what 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 do you think of Lord Alfred Hayes? I I used to quite like him. I just found him, you know, his voice and all that. I found him quite like quirky. Um, but I mean, he's useless here. He's 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 making absolutely. He's getting he's getting nowhere. <laughs> so it's a terrible investigative journalist. He is. Uh, later <laughs> on, we might have to discuss him going against his code of ethics. But um, <laughs> here he's upholding them, still looking for Mr. Perfect. <laughs> So we seem to be doing like double interviews. So we jump from Lord Alfred Hayes to Mean Gene again, and he is with Sensational Sherry. Um, and we get a bit of set up for our next match, which is Shawn Michaels versus Rick the Model Martell. And um, Sherry's got an eye on both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I kind of, this is obviously fairly recently solo Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, he's he's been paired with Sherry, and yeah, but obviously Rick Martel, handsome handsome chap. So uh, that uh, I felt like they were building the story a little bit too much around this because the you know they talk about like what is it no hitting in the face? She's got them to agree to both not eat, hit each other in the face, right. um, and then yeah, there's it's another it's a heel versus heel match essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And they're, I think, just trying to put an edge to it, give it a storyline, um, and it's all revolving round Sherry. Now it's it's quite funny to think how far Michaels ends up going when <laughs> when you see him in in this kind of role where he's I don't know, it's, it, there's just nothing leaping out at me about it at all. Yeah, um, it's like mid card sort of comedy nonsense almost. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. Um, I've I've got a few things in my notes here about. Uh, 
So see, see when we're we're about to start the match and they've got their entrances. Well, I don't I don't know if we see Martel's entrance, but he's in he's he's in the ring in like tennis gear or That's something. Right. Yeah, and uh, and Sherry comes out with Michaels. I've I've just written Sherry's outfit's unacceptable. Um, <laughs> she's missing and, some ideas. <laughs> and uh, like on the where she's like undressing Michaels, there's like a an, an unzipping moment. Which I'm just watching thinking, this is still largely pointed at kids, this product. And I'm looking thinking, I'm not sure about this. <laughs> this seemed a bit much. Uh, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I had an issue with Shawn Michaels' entrance, um, and that was that the brain was whistling his theme music. <laughs> it was unbelievably annoying. <laughs> I'm surprised Vince oh. didn't cut that off as soon as he started. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I actually don't have very many. I, I thought this might have been an all right, but it, it really, it, it almost doesn't really get going. Yeah, I, I, I've I've got a few bits and pieces. Like both men start fast, athletic. It looks like they're both trying to impress Sherry as per the storyline. Uh, but then you've got things like both men having their trunks pulled down, Sherry looking delighted with what's going on. Then I've written, this is getting tiresome pretty quick. <laughs> um, you've got loads of jokes between Heenan and McMahon about moons and full moons and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, and then the no punch in the face rule disappears pretty quick as it, it kind of breaks out into a brawl. Mm. And that's when Sherry decides she's going to fake that she's passed out. Um, now, I think both men reacted a little bit uh, over the top here because they both seem to try to perform CPR um, on on somebody who's just you know passed out. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, check for a heartbeat, do something. Um, but yeah, these aren't medically trained professionals, you know. I know, I know. Much. One's yeah. a model, the other one's a sexy boy. Yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah, I should I should cut them a break about that. Um, he should have sprayed his. What would it Knocking my microphone. He should have sprayed his. What was it? What was his scent called? Arrogance. Yes, he should have sprayed her with his arrogance. I don't, I don't like the sound of that. Um, see, this, this is what that this is. This match's fault. That that you know we've just dis- turned into teenage boys again, yeah. talking about it. Um, yeah, she. I, I, I suppose. I thought, you know, it's it's pure comedy what Sherry's doing because everyone's kind of in on the joke apart from Michaels and Martel. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got, you know, Heenan uh, pretty pretty nicely selling the fact like, oh, she's fainted again after she's, she's got up and looked to see what was going on then just gone back down. <laughs> he's uh, and stuff like that. Eh? He is, he is. Like, and he, he says it like he believes it. I think that's what... <laughs> That's what sells it. But um, you've got the whole silly situation of it seems like they're both really wanting to win Sherry, but then when one of them's carrying Sherry back, the other one just knocks her off. <laughs> and you're looking thinking that that's going to surely do her some damage, no? But they're not worried about that now. Um, and she, and, uh, she probably took the most bumps in the whole match. She did. And then, yeah, it ends up with Martel eventually pouring a bucket of water all, all over Sherry um, while Michaels is, is carrying her. Um, so yeah, that, that turned sour pretty quick as far as Martel was concerned. He's he's moving on. Um, I've kind of wrote, you know, there's a couple of comedy moments, but it wasn't really worth it for that. I agree. <laughs> um, and, and I felt for Pat Patterson, who took a hellacious bump <laughs> in the aisle right on um, one of the spurs of the... Uh, 
of the barricade. <laughs> that wasn't bad. So yeah, double count out and a bit of fun, I suppose. Yeah. Um, then we have Sean Mooney with the Nasty Boys, who I always liked as characters until I found out that they were best mates with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, there. So, so the Nasty Boys. It's probably quite odd that the Nasty Boys are here, um, just for a, just for a uh, an interview, um, but they did actually have a match. So yeah. a couple of dark matches. Hacksaw and the Bushwhackers uh, fought the Mountie and the Nasty Boys, and Papa Shango fought T- Tito Santana. So we didn't get to see those. Um, yeah, there's cut off the pay per view feed or something like that. There's apparently another one they, they kind of snuck in uh, just towards the end, just before the Bulldog Brett match, which was Tatanka and the Berserker. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's when, I suppose it's for the crowd, but they'll have, again, just cut that out of the releases. Um, Tatanka? Just for... that, that, Tatanka must have been over. Yeah. Really? More than I, Virgil. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they definitely had better options than putting Virgil in a pay per view match. And Berserker, he was class. <laughs> I remember him, was that Hus? Hus? Hus. So, yeah, the Nasty Boys cut a promo and basically they want a title shot. They've got Jimmy Hart in their corner and they are basically begging him for a title shot. And he says, Yeah, you can get a title shot. Yeah, yeah, they're. they're, they're, they're yeah, it's kind of. The, I think the indication here is to just, I think suggest a bit of a riff that Nasty Boys maybe feel like Jimmy Hart's putting more focus on Money Inc. than he is on the Nasty Boys. Yeah. Um and I'm I'm fairly sure he he and the Nasty Boys will will break away from each other at some point in the, the fairly near future. Um but yeah I I thought that as well because I hadn't again I hadn't looked at the match lineup and I thought I don't think they're in a match and uh I thought did they Fly them over just for that, but but no, the dark match, of course. Nasty boys, one of the greatest T-shirts of all time. Oh yeah, yeah, that that was pretty cool. I'm pretty sure I wanted one of those when I was a kid. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next up, we've got the tag titles on the line. We've got the Natural Disasters, the tag team champions, who generally I can remember as a kid as them being heels. Um, yeah. But, but their baby faces here. Um, and they are taking on the brothers Beverly. Um, yeah, with uh, the genius. I think. Um, I think that, like, I, as a kid, I loved the Natural Disasters, whether they were babyface or heel, because they're just massive. Yeah. <laughs> they've just they've got the look, and it it grabs your attention. Um, I don't. Uh, Beverly Brothers are probably one of those. I, I can actually appreciate them a lot more watching them now. Because I just would have thought, ah, what's the point of them when I was younger? But they're actually pretty good mm-hmm. in the ring. Um, and especially when they've got, you know, these big guys tossing them about and physically dominating them and things like that. Um, but they're, they're, they're quite an, a, a good team to watch in terms of just being a tag team. Yep. And they're big guys themselves. And mm-hmm. you're almost not seeing that because of the size of Typhoon and Earthquake. But aye, they work well together. They've got good moves together. Again, that's the whole tag team thing and um, I, I, when Natural Disasters came out the pop for the tag champs was un- unbelievable yeah it was yeah I love yeah. Wembley mm-hmm. um, um, I uh, thought we might get certainly 
based on like the first five minutes, I thought this was going to be an in and out squash. Mm-hmm. Um, they were all over the Bev- Beverly Brothers to start off with, mm-hmm. um, but it it, uh, it sort of works its way in, and I think they isolate Typhoon um, <laughs> for for quite some time, and very similar mm-hmm. to that other match. Like I said, they, they keep teasing Earthquake yep. getting in for the hot tag. He doesn't quite make it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good match. Yeah, me too. I I, I liked the um, the finish where um, Earthquake's got the hot tag. He's in, he's now physically dominating. Um, it goes for a, a power slam, does the tremors, and then as he's coming off the ropes, um, where he's going to hit his, what was it actually called? Was it called the Earthquake? Um, I don't know. I was trying uh, to think what word to use to, to describe it. Just yeah. a splash. I like that you yeah. called it the tremors. Yeah, I'm sure that's what the announcers used to call it uh, when he, he jumps around the, the person before he does it. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, as he comes off the rope, when he's going to do it, the other Beverly's just got up on the apron to try and interfere, but he just knocks him off. He knocks him flying um, before he... So that basically eliminates the, the chance of the count being interfered with um, for the pin. I, I I thought that was just, you know, an effective way of finishing the match. Yeah, um, yeah and... It's poor genius getting thrown out the ring after that. Um, but yeah, I, I always liked them. I thought they were a cool team. I thought they were just, you know, they're obviously massive. And you, you do look and think, who could take the belts off them and how? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's uh, a good, another good one for, for a crowd to get to see live. Yeah, like little kids, you know, mm-hmm. like we're talking about being 9 and 11. Imagine seeing those two guys up close in person. It'd be amazing. Yeah. Who's your favourite out of them two? Uh, earthquake and Typhoon. Aye, aye. I'll go John Tenta. Has to be, yeah. 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 I always thought Tugboat was a bit poor man's earthquake sort of thing. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yep, Natural Disasters retain, keep their titles. I would guess go on to feud with the Nasty Boys. Yeah, I think I think so. Um, or is it Money Inc? One Might be Money Inc. Yeah, be one of them. Yeah. Um, then we're back to Mean Gene again and he is with Luke and Butch the Bushwhackers yep and I have written Jesus Christ what are these two on (laughs) (laughs) because they're cutting a promo they're talking about being invited to Buckingham Palace I think ah can they make out actually what they were talking about Uh, I I think it was just a bit of a ramble (laughs) it was weird at least they didn't come out and start licking people although I'm sure they did that as part of their Entrance. They will have done, and it, it, everyone will have loved it. It's, it's just now we look back and think, hmm. Please stop licking children, <laughs> you toothless idiots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's really funny to think they were apparently like these horrendous heels before they came to WWF. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, oh, I can't remember what they were called. They had a different name, but... Uh, they they were really always in like really violent matches, um, and just you know blading all over the place. And Vince saw them and he was like, "Nah, I'm just gonna kind of make them a comedy act." That's amazing. That is Vince. Yeah, <laughs> that's class. Right, um, our next match: the Battle of Demolition. Yes. We've got the Repo Man who used to be Smash in yeah. Demolition. Yeah. Versus Crush. 
Um, what did they used? To, what did they used to call Crush the Hawaiian? Oh, Hawaiian. Kind of be the Hawaiian dream. I looked up, but I, could, I couldn't see it under his nicknames or anything like that. But they called him some the Hawaiian something, didn't they? Yeah, I, no, I'm not seeing it either. Although he was called the American Ninja at one point. Um, <laughs> Probably in WCW. <laughs> Uh, no, it doesn't say anything there, but I'm sure you're right. I remember something about the the Hawaiian, yeah. Hmm. And when I'm saying the Hawaiian, I'm doing like the crush hands thing. Ah, okay. You kind of have to, don't you? Nah, yeah, be rude not to. Yeah. <laughs> I loved Crush as a kid. Yeah. Something about him: the purple and yellow gear, the mullet, the absolutely amazing theme song. It's. It's it's amazing to think I, when I was a kid I would have looked and thought that's a possible world champion, Aye. and now it's not. <laughs> nah, <laughs> it's changed. Um, nah, yeah. I think they tried. I think I think when we've spoke about WrestleMania ten before, I think they were trying when they had yeah. that macho macho man. Yeah, um, it just didn't. I don't know. It didn't work in the end. But here, the um, I mean, you're putting him. He's essentially like he's against a repo man. He'd be as well being against a Brooklyn Brawler or something like that. It's just a yeah, a way to show how what Ico Pro can do to your body. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> to put uh, it, over. it is like a, an exhibition of power from Crash. Um, there was like I can't remember. I, I can't remember why I've written this, but I've written is Crash meant to be strong but a bit dumb. Because that's how it came across in a couple of the spots. He's a little bit uh, sort of plodding monster. Yeah. Um, but I can't... I think Repo Man was that sort of character that he would... He's a bit sneaky and he would yeah. do sort of sneaky stuff, so I... Yeah. It possibly is. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's... What is it? It's, it's longer than I thought it was. It's five minutes. Um, is it really? I, I've yeah. Written that, I've written that in my notes. This went way longer than I expected it to. Yeah. Um, ah, it, it's to put over Crash. They're looking to do something with him. I think at, at that point, uh, before maybe the the wheels come off a bit, and you know he's made to look pretty strong and pretty dominant. And uh, I'm sure again, I thought like his his skull crush thing was pretty cool when I was yeah, a kid. Definitely, yeah. especially when he sort of lifted them up. You know, he's got their head and he's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Oh, Crash! What could have been? <laughs> at least he went on to that feud with Doink and Dink. Yeah, yeah, I think Duncan Dink got the better of him a few times there. Yeah, he did. <laughs> WrestleMania 9, I want to say. Uh, Good times, Adam. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so we go, so our next match is our, is our World Wrestling Federation Championship match. So we go to Mean Gene um, and we get quite a lot of, it's not the sort of, um, the package uh, mm-hmm. thing that we're used to getting these days with the music yeah. and a really polished package, but we get quite a long package of build-up of highlights from Raw and maybe Superstars. Yeah. I don't even know if Raw was a thing then, was it? I don't think it was. Like Superstars and something else. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's Raw's right. I think Raw maybe debuted the next year. Yeah. 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 Um, and basically we get a lot of perfect and flair Stirring things up between Savage and Warrior. We, I, I know what the reason is. The the reason is is because of all the steroid steroid stuff. But 
there surely was another way for Warrior to wear different gear than yeah. the sort of flesh-coloured airbrushed singlet that looks like he's naked. It's really weird. I didn't like it. I, I, it didn't sit well with me at all. Um, yeah, that that was in my notes as well. Just no, that that outfit's a no from me. Especially the one he's wearing on one of these these shows that's in the build-up. It's like it's, it's proper skin coloured. Mm. It's not not acceptable, really. That's just uncomfortable. I don't like it. <laughs> it is. It is. So yeah, I, I, and this builds up the which corner is Mister Perfect going to be in, and um, it's meant to sort of plant that seed of paranoia between the two. And I mean. Paranoia and Macho Man Randy Savage go go hand in hand. Yeah, he does. He doesn't need any more, you know, fed into him for that. I'm I'm looking through my notes and I'm thinking it just comes across as I'm like a Savage fan who's written this. <laughs> I've, I've be- like I've I've got a bit in here that says Savage offers handshake, but Warrior's an asshole. <laughs> oh God! I've got too into this as it's been going. I've just thought I'm, I'm Team Savage. He's my guy. Keith is alive. I love it. <laughs> I, 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 no, I got the impression that you maybe didn't enjoy us, and obviously, these two have an amazing WrestleMania Seven match. I'm mm-hmm. sure if we went back and watched it, we might be like, "Eh, that wasn't actually as amazing." But let's just yeah. let's just keep that. Because to me, that's like an amazing WrestleMania match that they had. Yeah, I, I think I watched it when we were doing our Best Manias or something like that, right. uh, our Best Mania matches, and I, I do remember liking it. And to be fair, this one starts off fine, but the the whole time the announcers are, are questioning the perfect, perfect or uh, and flair thing about who they're aligned with, and um, I don't know I, because this is babyface versus babyface. I understand having that heel element. I, I, I do get it. And the, the, the doubt it can create, who, who are they with? Um, but I felt like it was, it was done to the extent that it very quickly took away from the match. Mm. Um, I, I, and I maybe didn't feel that extreme about it, but okay. the, I wouldn't have said that these two are two of your sort of cookie cutter baby faces either. I think with Savage, there's always that um, sort of yeah. vicious streak. Mm. There's an edge, aye, yeah. Aye, um, and same with and Warrior. He was. I, I wouldn't. Have, I would certainly wouldn't have said he was like Hogan esque as far as being a babyface. Yeah, I, I don't know if he ever really had a, a heel run, if you like, because you know that so much of the crowd. Well, I mean, kids loved him. Uh-huh. Kids thought that, and you know the music and the entrance and all that, and the rope shaking and everything. Yeah. Um, and it's. You try, certainly when I'm watching, I try not to think too much about the fact that you know he's not a great worker and things like that. I try to just think, well, well, I loved this as a kid, so just watch it and just try to feel the way you did uh, while you're watching it. Um, but it's uh, it's quite hard to do some of the time. And, uh, and there's there's some good, there's some decent spots in this. I mean, there, I always thought Savage was really good at selling. He's basically selling back pain through almost the whole match. Um, To to the extent that I was actually wondering if he did have a back injury. Yeah, yeah. Um, And he he loves, I I don't know if I've ever noticed it as much in in any other match, but Savage and his double axe handle from the top turnbuckles, they're brilliant, but he does them a lot. He does. (laughs) He does it from from the top rope outside at one point. 
He does, yeah. Um, I can't remember at what sort of point. So this this match is a good like it's, it's twenty eight minutes apparently. Really, um, and it didn't really feel like that, which is usually a good sign. Um, but I can't remember at what sort of point, like how long they'd been having a match before Perfect and, and Flair actually come out. I, I would have said roughly. I would have said maybe about twenty minutes. Okay, okay, eighteen minutes. Yeah, uh, because. Um, you and I had been texting about it and before I'd watched it and I thought, oh, you know, they probably come out a couple of minutes, minutes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, I felt like they had a really good sort of slow burn of a match and it, and it built and built. Um, and then maybe that, that's the issue is that they sort of came out at a point where it was building to a kind of yeah. peak. Um, but I thought it was a really, really good match. And I think if you'd just completely taken away the whole Flair and perfect thing. It might be a, you know, you'd be looking at potentially overshadowing the main event. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, when when uh, perfect and Flair do come out, and you've got perfect initially. I can't remember which one's first, but initially looks like he's aligned with one of them, mm-hmm. um, and then it switches and he, he does the other one, and then you know, for me as I'm watching it now, it's really hard to think. Because I I know it's basically as soon as I've heard that I've thought oh I know what happens here he's not aligned with either of them it's all just you know uh, mind games uh, from Perfect and Flair but as a youngster watching it for the first time I I can buy that I was probably thinking oh he's he's actually enlisted his help mm-hmm. wow I can't believe this guy that I've, I've thought of as a good guy has has done that. Um, and then, you know, it switches, but then it switches again and then again. And I, I think even as a kid, by the time he's, he's gone for both of them, I'm already thinking, nah, this isn't a thing. It's fine. You've been swerved again. Yeah. They just, yeah, they break your spirit every time. Um, and again, this goes to a finish where it's not really a finish. I think, is it a double count out again? Uh, Savage gets counted Savage out, counted so out, uh, Warrior, Warrior wins the match, but yeah. yeah um, there, there's a point in this match, I, I was laughing, I was looking at my notes there, um, where Flair gets in the ring. Hebner takes some hellacious bumps in this match. He does. <laughs> At one point yeah. it was absolutely flying. Um, Flair gets in the ring and nails Warrior with what looks like brass knuckles or, or something. Um, and the warrior starts hulking up. Yeah. And I've wrote warrior hulking up looks like a piss take of of hulking up. <laughs> like I was genuinely <laughs> laughing at it. <laughs> oh, I've I've got more in my notes where I'm. I've I've got savage top rope elbow drop. Yes, Randy, wake up, ref. Ah, oh, it's a two count. And <laughs> and then uh, I've got something about McMahon's commentary. So Vince. He loves going for a one, two, he got him, he got him, he didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> he did, he did, he's done it in a few of the matches here. He gets so, like, worked up about it. And then it's just like, nah, actually, it's a two-count Vince. It's okay, it's okay. <laughs> there is a point where this, uh, and I've wrote it in my notes, but there is a point where this starts going too long and starts over-egging the whole flair and perfect thing. Mm-hmm. Um and I've, I've got here, Savage decides, he's got Warrior down, Savage decides to not win the match and instead just dives at Flair. Yeah. Um, and they kind of botch, he tries to hit him with a chair and there's this little ramp and he kind of falls down it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Savage gets counted out and then the pair of them go to town, don't they? 
Yeah, and then Warrior kind of comes back and makes the save, or as he chased them away and then comes back to check on Savage, and they have a a sort of I don't know reluctant ish embrace in the in the ring. Would have been good if Savage had nailed him. Uh, yeah, something more within character if he had. His yeah, because I did get the feeling as well. You know, the crowd weren't necessarily against either guy, but I felt that the crowd were a little bit more with Warrior. Mm-hmm. So you could have probably had Savage do something pretty heelish there and got a good reaction for it. Yeah. Um, and you know, they've 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 left the um, the baby faces standing in the ring. One of them still champing. Savage is now selling his knee massively. Yeah. Um, and I, I I was trying to think where Warrior ends up from here because I'm not sure he's here much longer because they end up turning perfect um, to align with Savage to replace Warrior. Yeah, that's right. Survivor Series. Yeah, so yeah. it's not all that far away. So he's he's not got too much longer. So so what I've read or heard was originally supposed to happen was Warrior was supposed to be aligned with Perfect. Perfect was supposed to come out and help Warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, Warrior was supposed to turn heel, but Warrior didn't want to turn heel for all the little warriors, um, okay. and that's sort of spelled the big uh, beginning of the end, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, I can see that because um, it did feel like a lot of quite a lot of build as well for nothing, and I can imagine maybe Vince was trying to talk him into it right till the last minute type thing. Mm. Yeah. So okay. yeah, it was a good match, but I, I am, I am with you. I'm in your camp of could have done without it, but then it, it sounds like they've, as Brock Lesnar would say, they've made chicken salad out of chicken shit. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we go to the back straight after this match. I think it is it Mean Gene. Was it Sean Mooney? Yeah, I've um, got Mean Gene. Yeah. And Flair cuts one of these promos that you've seen. A million times before, I literally have no idea what he's saying. He's talking about Plan A, yeah, Plan B, and then he starts wooing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when when he's good on the promos, he's he's very very good. But sometimes they're I don't know they're a bit nothing. It's almost like yeah. he takes his teeth out, and starts making noises. <laughs> yeah, when when I think back to you know the when he won the belt at the Rumble, you know, the, with a tear in my eye one. That was a brilliant promo. But uh, yeah, this one, obviously they want to put it across that the reason they've done all this is because he felt he should have had the title shot and all that. Um, they feel like they've 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 still won and I couldn't work out how they'd won in any real <laughs> way. Um, but yeah. The, so, so yeah. The, did he lose the title to Savage at WrestleMania that year? Yes. Aye. Yeah. And he obviously won the title at the Royal Rumble, and then I think he was gone in like within the year. I think he was back in WCW yeah. in like '93. He, he wins it back, and then uh, but I don't think that was at a major like event or anything like that. Uh-huh. And then Brett wins it from Flair at like a house show. Yes, that's right. Mm. I think this was when Razor Ramon first appeared, and I think he maybe helped. Yeah, win the title. Razor's there by Survivor Series anyway, isn't he? He's, right. he's, I'm pretty sure he's involved at Survivor Series. There you go. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, on to our next match. We've got the Ugandan giant. Yeah. Kamala with Dr. Harvey Whippleman. Don't remember him being a doctor. No. And uh, Kim Chi. Yeah. Kim Chi. you know who's under that mask, Adam? Uh, I don't. No. The Brooklyn Brawler. Ah, okay. Fair enough. There you go, he made it on the card. <laughs> um, awesome 
entrance from The Undertaker? Yeah, I think again for we've sort of talked about star power, you know, you've seen LOD, you've seen uh, Earthquake Typhoon, you've now seen Savage and Warrior, Flair, Perfect, and now you get The Undertaker. I mean, the you know, the names are stacked yeah. on this card yeah. and uh, they get they get a, a brilliant Undertaker entrance, which, you know, you're probably going to remember more than the match, uh, I, I would have thought. Yeah. But again, pretty, pretty cool for a kid to, to go there and see it. Ah, it's a proper spectacle. You've got Paul Bearer walking down with Arn, sort of beckoning the Undertaker down. He comes down on the back of the on the back of the hearse. Um, maybe one of the the first ever big Undertaker entrances. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And at this point in time, he's kind of that. Um, I don't know how to describe him. Comic book character, sort of being. Um, being spurred on by the urn and, and mm-hmm. being risen yeah. by the urn and all that sort of stuff. It's very much early days of the, the Undertaker gimmick. Did he debut Survivor Series in 1990? I think that's right, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. massively over here. He's a proper star mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Um, early days, but a proper star. Uh, yeah. I uh, apparently didn't take any notes on this match. Maybe I was that's... just like really, really into it. I've got, I've got a few. I've got... Um... About the amazing entrance, then uh, Undertaker dominating early, but Kamala comes back into it with some interference from the the, the guys on the outside. Um, Undertaker then catching Kamala, hits a choke slam. Uh, Undertaker getting Kamala up for a tombstone, but Kim Chi interfering, hits him with his hat, which I'm not sure what it's supposed to be made of. Um, yeah, so uh, Undertaker wins by DQ and uh, Kamala then starts uh, dominating him uh, after the, the bell's gone. That, the, um, that hat must have been loaded. That was, that was not your normal hat. Oh, um, hold on, talk, talk to me about Kamala's splashes from the second ropes. Um, what, would I say, what did I write? Kamala with some unconvincing safe landing splashes. Um yeah, he, he he. I think A didn't want to hurt himself, and B didn't seem to want to hurt Undertaker. He, he was being very, very careful with those. Kind of, it was a bit like Dad on holiday in Tenerife, belly flop. Sort of. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw. Was it you that sent through the 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 clip of Vince taking a stunner? Uh, yes, either yeah. on WrestleMania. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't quite as unconvincing as that, but uh, I mean, it, yeah, they they just looked like they would have absolutely no impact because they obviously weren't. He was making sure he landed knees first on the mat and then kind of, you know, just lay a little bit on Taker. He did a few of them as well. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we've got... Um, Obviously, Undertaker looking strong at the end by sitting up, and Kamala looks absolutely terrified <laughs> when, when he does that. Face, eh? I, I loved his reactions because I've, I've seen him. He's, he he must add more than one match with Undertaker because I've I've seen him do this at another time as well. And he's he's like when he's running away and things like that. It's it's brilliant. Wait, what if that <laughs> guy from um, WrestleMania Thirty when when Brock broke the streak? What if <laughs> could that? No. Nah. Um and and we've not really mentioned it, but again Kamala this is like a cool gimmick and like a sort of it's probably a kid friendly gimmick. Yeah. Similar to yeah. Papa Shango, it's this over the top 
um, mm-hmm. character, but I think it sort of draws you in, engages yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I never found it like intimidating or threatening. It's more just fun, Aye. you know. Um, and that that I think works with the audience they're targeting this at. Um, yeah, it, it was apparently a pretty pretty over for a few years elsewhere. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I, I, I assume. I assume always working the same kind of gimmick. Like I think I've heard uh, him talked about as like mid south wrestling, um, uh, way way back, and then uh, what did he was it the? I must have been in WWE a couple of times, right. um, and there was something like is it Continental Wrestling Association or something. I've definitely heard the likes of Bruce Pritchard speaking about him, where maybe in his later years people wouldn't get how big a star he'd actually been elsewhere right. um, as a, a sort of monster heel but they may have wanted to tone him down a little bit for uh, for the WWE audience mm. nice cool I liked it apart from his splashes yeah they kind of reminded me no I'm not going to say that I'm not going to say that um, okay so this is where our build starts for our main event we start to get very serious uh, Sean Mooney is in the back with the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. Um, my only note on this promo is that he is very clearly reading from prompt cards. Yeah. Um, that's, he, that's me really harsh. Do you, know, do you know what I've ended up writing? Because you know how there was always a thing? It was always said that um, Brett wasn't the best at promos. Now, I've always found him perfectly passable. At promos, but you see, because they do a back and forth here with uh, Bulldog and Brett, it's Bulldog then Brett, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you see them and you, you sort of compare them. He's streets ahead of Bulldog. Oh my god! <laughs> I I genuinely think that Brett's promo might be one of the best promos for building a match ever. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. I think he's actually had a few over the years. The, the more I see. And watch back, the more I'm thinking, is he, he got quite a raw deal from people levelling that at him. I think he was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, bull, Bulldog's bad. I mean, the, talking about the, the family, the pressures, them being brothers-in-law, all that. And it, it, he's he's already got that slightly far away look in his eye. Um, and and it, it didn't feel like he was speaking with any... Emotion, even though he was saying these words. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just wasn't good. He was also taking very unnatural <laughs> breaks in what he was <laughs> saying. <laughs> it was, that's what made me think he was reading for a prompt card. It was like he was stopping when somebody had to change it. Turn the card. <laughs> it was weird. So, so, yeah, like you say, he talks about the pressure, the pressure of been involved in a match with his family and how it's tearing the family apart and, um, and all that sort of thing and then they cut to me and Jim with Brett and Brett just eviscerates him mm-hmm. with an amazing promo that yeah like you say it it, it kind of looked like scripted verses off the cuff um, yeah. and like really heartfelt and, and like Brett really meant it yeah I've, I've put in something a little bit smart ass in my, my notes here Brett talks about how he helped how he introduced Bulldog to his now wife he's helped him with his wrestling and I've put brackets not as much as he'll have to later tonight (laughs) (laughs) little did he know eh? 
<laughs> so, before we get into the fun stuff, then they bring out the fucking Balmoral Highlanders and fucking Rowdy Roddy Piper comes out and plays. Why? Why is he there playing the bagpipes? I mean, yeah, it, it was odd. It felt a bit out of place. I don't know if they maybe thought, you know, we keep being told that Roddy Piper's Scottish. Maybe we've got to have him on the show. What can he do? Oh, we'll do a musical number. He can play the bagpipes, can't he? That's a thing. Yeah. Okay, we'll get him there. Yeah, it's <laughs> the best I can do. I was, I was. After that Brett promo, I was like, "Bring it on! Let's give me it. the match now." And then yeah, here he comes smiling and laughing. Nah, no for me, I'm afraid. <laughs> then, do, do we get the entrances first? Yes, we get the entrances. We'll talk about Diana Hart, and then we'll talk oh. about the background to the match. So, we get the entrances. Bulldog comes out first, and the crowd are going absolutely wild for him. Yeah. He's got uh, Lennox Lewis leading him to the ring, waving a Union Jack. <laughs> Bobby Brainheen asks if it's Joe Lewis. <laughs> uh, isn't Lennox Lewis Canadian? Yeah, well, I think, is he, was he Canadian raised? Was he born in? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, okay. um, he, he looks like really lean. Uh, yeah. Lewis, yeah, he does. But that's cool. Does he have a bulldog with him? Or is it? I don't think so. Nah. Nah. Ah, maybe better after this. <laughs> maybe not better handling animals after Yeah, he can't, he can't be trusted. <laughs> he can't be trusted to pick up after it with everything he's got going on. <laughs> <laughs> and then Brett comes out and it's a, it's a good pop as well for Brett. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the roar for Bulldog is, is loud Massive. and it's there. But, you know, in any other match you're thinking Brett is getting a great reaction there because um, again I, I think it's, it's it's maybe a there's a respect element there as well I think mm-hmm. um, from fans who, who kind of know how good he is uh-huh. um, and he, he's he's not being overly heelish throughout any of this you know he just wants to defend his belt so um, they they don't certainly in the early stages they're not pushing home that he's a heel and it's not really been there in the build up yep so, so guy's in the ring, and I think maybe Hitman's music's still going. He takes off his glasses and gives them to some wee kid, and the dad is desperate for a high five, and he doesn't get one. Um, did you ever have a pair of Hitman glasses? I did. did yeah, amazing. Yeah, I loved them. I mean, obviously, I didn't get them from him; just bought them. But uh, yeah, um, like a bootleg, bootleg Bret Hart in Edinburgh. Yeah, Bret Hart. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember when when I was a kid, I loved him. I mean, even when he was, you know, in the tag team and then breaking away and going through his intercontinental run, he was always one of my favourites. Yep. Um, and yeah, I, I, I remember proudly having those glasses. I, I have no idea what would have happened to them long term. Amazing. <laughs> we need to order a pair each and just wear them when we podcast. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so then we cut to Sean Mooney with Diana Hart and my. Um, so Diana Hart is Davy Boy Smith's wife, Brett's sister, and Sean Mooney's. I am sure that the point of this is to try and get over how this rivalry is tearing the family apart. Yeah. Um, and I've written here: here's Sean Mooney with Diana Hart with a face like a scalped arse. Yeah, she. I, I just don't think she wants to be in this situation at all. It's it's so bad, and I felt really. 
I, I suppose you're supposed to feel uncomfortable watching it because of the situation, but I just felt uncomfortable watching her trying to speak. It, it was awful. What was she talking about? That some women didn't get the privilege of going to the front line of war with their husbands, but I've been given that. And Sean Mooney's like, yes, yes, wonderful. Like, try to cut her off. It was so bad. So bad. Uh, she ends up talking over the ring bell, and they're just like, and to the ring! And she's still there trying to tell her story. Yeah. These, oh. these hearts, they, they seem to get involved where they're not wanted. <laughs> I feel like Bret Hart's, well, Owen, clearly, but like some of them, yeah, they seem, like, really odd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So let's talk a little bit about the background to this match that we now know of. Obviously, we didn't know at the time. Um, we know from Bret Hart's autobiography that he'd been speaking to Vince about this. I think the consideration had been they were either going to go to Washington um, for SummerSlam, and if they were doing that, Bret wanted to do him versus Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental title match in a ladder match. Um, and they'd never mm. done a ladder match before in WWF and it was something that they'd done in Stampede Wrestling. Yeah. Stampede, is that right? Yep. Um, yep. And he wanted to do that. Alternatively, they were going to go to London and uh, Brett had said, if you're going to go to London, have have me drop the belt to Bulldog um, and obviously that'll go over massive uh, and then he can drop it to Sean later on. Yeah. Um, so I think they confirmed that months in advance couple of months okay. in advance or something like that. And throughout that time, he claims... some. You have to take a lot of this with a pinch of salt. Um, but at the same time, he can't really make claims like this and not be true either. So he claims that he'd been trying to get a hold of Bulldog on the phone um, for weeks, if not months, to try and go over their match. And every time he phoned, Diana had said that he was out with Jim. Jim, Jim Lightheart. Um so Brett never ever actually managed to get a hold of him until even when they'd so, so the story goes that when they when Brett got to London he phoned Diana and he'd said that he's still trying to get a hold of him and she said that he'd just left and he'd been away with Jim again so he still never got a hold of him so the first time he got, gets a hold of him to speak about the match is the rehearsal, the entrance rehearsal, the day before SummerSlam. <laughs> and when Brett tries to say, look, I've been trying to get a hold of you. Where have you been? He says that Bulldog couldn't look him in the eye. And he says, I've been away the last three weeks smoking crack with Jim. <laughs> yeah. Smoking crack. I mean, why is he I, smoking crack? <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it, it, it's kind of unexplainable. I mean, he's he, he knows he knows what's coming. He knows he's gonna be in like the 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 biggest spotlight he's ever had. He's he's got his biggest match coming up. His brother-in-law's gonna put him over. It, it, it's gonna be massive. So I mean, why? In the build up to that, just think, now, this is the time for me to just get really into crack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to 
going to dedicate this summer. <laughs> Amazing. How unhinged must Jim Neidhart be? You know, like, at, at least, you know, like Bulldog, clearly very poor decision making. Mm-hmm. But then Neidhart must be the exact same. And this is him yeah. coming off the back of something like a six week suspension, Bulldog, for getting uh, done for using steroids as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, so basically, Brett says to him, "Don't worry, I've got you." And he he talks him through a match that Brett says that he's been going over in his head for weeks and months, mm-hmm. working out. So he talks him through it, and and he says, "Don't worry, like I'll talk you through it." And here's what we're going to do. <laughs> and then Brett, obviously going into this match, thinks it's cool, it's sorted. And then something like two two minutes into the match, <laughs> uh, and you can see it. And, and Brett says that he sort of prided himself on never um, showing himself speaking to his opponent in the ring. Um, and you can see it that there's a point where they kick off, they have a few moves back and forward, and then they end up with Brett Hart holding Bulldog in a side headlock, I think, and they end up going down to the down mm-hmm. the, the mat. And uh, the story goes that Bulldog says to him, I'm fucked. And then he says, I'm really sorry, Brett, but I've forgotten everything. <laughs> I don't, it, it's like, I, I, I can't even relate it to anything, actually, because if you're Brett, right, and you've, you know, you, you've had this grand plan, and to be honest, there's a lot of this, you're, you're doing it for someone else. Right, you're you're trying to do the best you possibly can for your brother-in-law to give him this awesome match, put him over, give him this belt, and all that. And to be fair, Brett probably knows he's he's on track for bigger things anyway. But that's yeah. not really the point, you know. <laughs> How much do you feel in that moment if you're Brett? Because I'm I'm amazed he he remained calm. Yeah, I know. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it genuinely, is unbelievable. Like, that's beyond saying sorry. Like, sorry's like, I tripped up and, you know, made an arse of one of my moves. I'm yeah. sorry, I've forgotten everything you told me last night. Like, there, there, there was just, there, there's one moment in the match where uh, Bulldog sends Brett into the turnbuckle, then Brett catches him with a kick, and I was thinking, that, that maybe looked a little bit stiff, and I wondered if there was just all this frustration came out in, like, one moment. Because the thing is... And what's amazing about this, uh, as a kid, but even watching it back the other day, um, I I wasn't picking holes in this. Mm-mm. I was looking at this thinking this is an excellent wrestling match. Mm-hmm. And when you know the story behind it, I mean, how fucking good is Brett? That's unbelievable. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. I think he says something like that in his book, like that he realises that this needs to be his biggest challenge, his masterpiece. Um, to be able to sort of pull this off, it's, it just it says everything about him, doesn't it? As far as his skills mm-hmm. um, and his composure and his confidence and his skills and all that sort of thing. Yeah, like you say, yeah. you take away all of that that we've just talked about, and this is uh, like it's impossible to say, but to me, like just thrown off the cuff, it feels like a top ten matches mm-hmm. of all time for me. Yeah, I mean it's it's like move for move the precision, you know, it, it it's smooth, which again seems unbelievable in the circumstances. 
Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, there's a few moments where there's some, you know, rest moves when I imagine there's a bit of communication uh-huh. taking place again. Yeah. Um, but you would, it's a 25 minute match. You're not going to be nonstop all the way through the match. So it doesn't look out of place. It doesn't feel forced or anything like that. Um, yeah, I just, I just think it's a, it's a really, really good match. Um, there's some things Brett does that I just love watching the way he does it like his snap suplexes i think always look absolutely amazing um just the the, the match you go out of him is unbelievable and i really like the fact that brett as it's going through the match he does these little slightly heelish things yes. they're they're never quite enough that the crowd's going to fully you know start booing him and stuff like yeah, that yeah, like there's he, he lifts him by his hair and j- just there was another one I can't see it in my notes, but there was a couple of little things he did, um, which just gets the crowd on his back just enough, you know. Even just he'll do a move and he'll slow it down and he'll just look at the crowd, mm-hmm. and yeah, it just sort of elicits a little bit of a a little bit of a boo, a little bit of a shout back at him, mm-hmm. and the, the like the subtleties of some uh-huh. of it. As well, um, you you just don't get that from you know ninety nine point nine percent of the the wrestlers. Yeah, um, yeah it, the more I watch, because you know I, I I loved watching him as a kid, and some of the people you love watching as a kid when you rewatch them, you're a bit like, Meh, I, I don't know quite what I was seeing there, but it's still there with Rex. It, it, everything just looks brilliant. Do you, do you ever think that you're surprised that you enjoyed that level of technical wrestling as a kid? Yeah, probably, yeah, because I don't know that I, I, that wasn't probably what I was in it for at that age. You know, I wasn't maybe appreciating that. I was appreciating the over-the-top characters mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and, you know, Hulk Hogan's Ultimate Warrior, Savage, I loved, you know, a lot of it in the, the promos and the mannerisms from Savage. But this just being a really, really good wrestling match. And I remember having loved it when I was a kid. So it's, yeah. it, it surprises me a wee bit. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Something that I really liked about this match is that it's not just like, that it doesn't start out like Bulldogs dominating. Brett isolates a part of the body. Bulldog comes back and wins. It's not as straightforward as that. There's a, there's, a lot of sort of nuance as far as Bulldog coming back, Bulldog coming back, and then mm-hmm. he's taken back again. Yeah. Um, it's that sort of thing of playing with the emotions of the crowd, and the crowd play right into it, and that's the atmosphere and all that is all part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, it's masterful. It's brilliant. It really is. They, they, they tell uh, like, all the sort of logical story of this athlete versus that athlete is in there because Brett is you know, the the wrestler, if you like. You know, everyone knows that he knows every move and every counter and things like that. And he's out wrestling Bulldog for the majority of the match and then Bulldog's comebacks tend to be power. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll power it out, he'll go for a few power, power moves, but then the wrestling will see Brett take control again. And that all just feels really logical when you're watching it. Yep. Yeah, 100%. That's a really good point. That was something I was thinking about. It's kind of like technicality versus power. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you look at them, that's what you're thinking. So it all, it all makes sense. Um, there's only one moment, um, that I was looking at, like, there's a moment where Brett lifts Bulldog, uh, into like a, a press slam position and puts him down on the ropes. He, he like lands on the ropes. And I was watching thinking, was that 
planned. I mean, it, it just looked a bit awkward the way it was executed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking, Jesus, because, you know, he's got him up above his head and he's a bit out of it. And I'm thinking, how much control is he actually in when so, he's doing that? So apparently, this is also in Brett's book, apparently that was a spot that they used to do in Stampede. Ah, okay. okay. Um, and yeah, I thought the same and saw that. Yeah, apparently it's a, that it was all sort of meant and that was all part of it. Yeah, um, I liked that they let Brett kick out of the power slam mm-hmm. um, because, you know, he, he's putting the guy over, but that makes it look like a an even bigger achievement for Bulldog that he does manage to put this guy away when he's kicked out of his... I don't remember many kicking out of the, the, the power slam, the running power slam yep. that he used to do. And I think Brett maybe... It's right that he had a moment like that in the match because yep. if he'd just been beat to that... It might have looked a little bit like, well, Bulldog's just better. Whereas in the end, the way it finishes, you kind of look at it and say that could have gone either way. You yes. just, you know, it, it kind of keeps both looking strong. 100%. There's a really, really good spot where they're both lying on the ground um, and they've went back and forth. I don't know how long this match is, what, 25 minutes or something? Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're both exhausted and Brett, starts to tangle his legs with Bulldog and he puts him in the sharpshooter from them both lying on their backs Yeah, and rolls him over and eventually he's got him in it. It's amazing. I've never seen that that happen before. Yeah, I really really liked that spot as well because, again, when you're trying to apply, like, logic and I'm trying to win this match, you're in that situation, what can I do? And it just made sense. Mm -hmm. Um, because their legs are they're basically there they're they're so close together um yeah I, I i don't think i'd seen that in any other match either i was trying to think back to like matches he had with you know the likes of owen and things like that and thinking did he did they ever do anything like that but i don't remember it he apparently um he apparently came up with that he practiced that with his wife made her lie down okay. inside their bed and and was practicing it night upon night right okay that that could sound like that could sound like, I don't know. Someone else. Yeah, but <laughs> knowing that it's Bret Hart, then yeah. he probably was actually applying the sharpshooter fully. Yeah. <laughs> Dab, damn it. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, another thing about this uh, match is that uh, Bret asked Vince if he wanted to know what the finish was, and Vince said, no, surprise me. Okay. Um, and apparently that was very unheard of at that point of view Vince and like obviously we know what Vince is like and all the stories about how um, much of a control freak he is around every little thing apparently he'd said no just surprise me so um, I was looking forward to hearing to you know his reaction on commentary Mm -hmm. um, which adds another little bit of sort of authenticity to the way that it finishes as well. Yeah because you do hear that like a a lot of you know, the regular announcers say, I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know what was happening because I need my reaction to be authentic. Yeah, I used to uh, do that, I think. Yeah. yeah and, um, but you would assume with it being Vince that he's going to know everything and how it's going to unfold. That's, that's, that's interesting. I'd, and you pro, I imagine he wouldn't let anyone do that now. <laughs> nah, nah, I can't imagine so. Yeah. Although saying that, it didn't look like he knew that Austin was going to help my stunner at WrestleMania. <laughs> Jesus, it was so bad. It's that 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 is the only clip I've seen from WrestleMania. <laughs> I mean that that's that's not how you sell it to a guy. Nah, that's great. <laughs> um, so the, the eventual finish of this match, it's like we're saying it's went back and forth. There's a point where 
uh, Brett just starts hitting these unbelievable uh, European uppercuts. Mm-hmm. And he's it's almost like he's chopping Bulldog down like a tree. Um, they end up on the outside and Brett hits this uh, amazing German suplex as well and, yeah. and gets very close. Um, Bulldog hits a superplex off the top rope, which is something you probably didn't see very often yeah. um, at this point as well. So it feels like they're they're pulling out everything that they can to try and win. Um, we've mentioned the sharpshooter from lying down. Uh, right towards the end there, Brett comes off the ropes, goes for a sunset flip, and as he's going round, the bulldog just holds on to his, his legs and drops yeah. his knees on top of him and pulls off the what, what, what could be considered the upset victory, one, two, three. Yep. And the crowd go bananas. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um a good good finish because you know you're you're kind of waiting for the person's finishing move to finish it. Um and we've seen definitely seen Brett do these type of finishes quite a few yeah. times. Like when you think back to the Owen match uh, at WrestleMania ten and uh I've, I've yeah, yeah. it's like uh, eight, I think, and it's like big stage, and they do something a little bit different, yep. um, which I, I like. You, it's, again, it's another thing that I don't think you see all that often nowadays. It tends to be a finishing move or a couple of the finishing five, moves. Five finishing moves, eh? yeah. Yeah, um, so I like that, you know, and it's it looked good, and again, it looked logical. He's gone for that. Oh, I will drop to my knees, pin him down, you know. Um, yeah, I, really, really technically impressive match um, and even more so given the circumstances yeah it, it really is unbelievable and if you know what wrestling's like a lot of stories and stuff like that you don't know what to believe but this seem, this story seems to have been told that many times that it, it does mm-hmm. seem to have been true and it's just unbelievable such a credit to to Bret Hart I don't know how, yeah. I don't think the Bulldog's in uh, WWF that much longer after this Okay. Uh, yeah. I think he ends up going to WCW, maybe '93. Then he comes back again. I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. He's, he's clearly on a good headspace, is he? Yeah. I've I've got just looking it up. Um, talks about his release. So he loses the belt on 14th of November, and right. it says he was later released, and then he's. Where has he gone? He's gone Japan, and then he's in WCW by '93. Right. Uh, so he's he's not got that much longer in the company here. Um, and it sounds uh, like I, I can't remember if I know this from Dark Side of the Ring or from Bet, Brett's book, but it sounds like he's very easily led astray by Dynamite Kid. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's who he went to Japan with, is it? Um. So the only, in his little bio thing where it's saying he and Warrior were released for receiving shipments of human growth hormone. Um, we just moved on for the crack. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, the, the, the Warrior's the only other name it kind of lumps in with his release there. Oh well. Yeah. It's a shame because he's essentially the top of the world here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and nobody wants to remember Gene's bulldog, do they? It wasn't for me. Nah, I didn't. Like two thousand and one ish. Um, 
Again, I, I, I remember it happening so clearly. When did he returned in? So he was there in '94 to '97, teaming with Owen. Right. And then, uh, of course, he was. I of course. Yeah, it was his. It was a another return. To, so he then went to WCW again, and then he came back in ninety nine two thousand. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that was that would be the jeans era, I think. That wasn't good. Well, no, nah. he was sort of upper mid card as well. They, they they definitely when he first age. when he first came back they positioned him pretty high. I remember. Um, I kind of remember not really buying it though, mm-hmm. which is um, unfortunate. Yeah. So there you go. What, 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 what do you think overall of SummerSlam 82? Did you enjoy it more than you have done some of these 98 pay-per-views, would you say? Yeah, I did. It, it, it felt like a fun show, a lot of it. Um, and, you know, the, the atmosphere being incredible, knowing that I was going to get to see this, what I remembered as an amazing match. At the end, um, the star power is a massive thing. Mm-hmm. And it... it it's there for the live crowd and it's, you know, fantastic for them. I suppose for us now watching it on the network, you know, whatever one you click on, you're going to get stars. But um, just to appreciate it for being in that moment and where it was. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed a f- quite a few of the matches. I mean, I, I enjoyed the, the LOD match. Uh, I enjoyed both tag matches, actually. Um, I I enjoyed the start of Warrior Savage. Um I liked seeing that cool Undertaker entrance. Mm-hmm. I, I loved the final match. Thought it was, it was almost a perfect match. Um, yeah, the, the, there was a lot in there to like. It, I don't know if we just got so bogged down in '98 that this just felt really good to to watch, yeah. um, just because it was different. It felt different. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really enjoyed it. What about you? Brilliant. I I, I feel pretty much the same as you on, on all those matches that you've mentioned. I, I loved the old sort of tag team style of match um, and yeah it was fun to watch that match again I, I would like to it's funny knowing the background to that match and obviously it's funny to laugh about that but it's obviously sad as well and it makes you look at that match completely differently, it gives you a different certainly a massive appreciation of mm-hmm. my heart yeah um, yeah, it was amazing, I really really enjoyed that I'm glad we watched it Yep, me too. Um, which brings me to I'm very excited about this because I've no idea what you're going to say. Um, oh, what if it's a letdown? Oh. <laughs> right, so y- y- you got me with this feeling some SummerSlam vibes. Yes. So um, I've ended up actually jumping exactly 10 years forward from this. Wow. So I've jumped to SummerSlam 2002. Okay. Now, now I... I I remember thinking this happens and that happens on this card. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I looked it up, I realised everything else that happens in there. And I was thinking, oh, I, I, I have memories of this and I really like the look of the card. And I thought, I just want to watch this. Right. So uh, SummerSlam 2002. Now, the only thing that I think I can remember of this, is this Brock Rock? Yes, right. it is. Yep. Youngest ever champion. Yep. Um, passing a torch. Okay. Awesome. I mean, I could walk you through the card if you wanted me nah, to. Nah, nah, nah. nah. That's fine. Um, oh, maybe. Maybe. I right, <laughs> go on then. Go on. Right. Okay. Okay. Kurt Angle v. Rey Mysterio. Right. Uh, Ric Flair v. Chris Jericho. Oh, 
Edge v Eddie Guerrero. Oh wow. The 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 un-Americans, let's not say that, let's just say Christian and Lance Storm um against Booker T and Gold Dust. Nice. Uh RVD against Chris Benoit. What? Uh The Undertaker against Test. Yes. <laughs> Shawn Michaels against Triple H. Um oh, now I, I believe this is just uh, yeah, I think this is just when Michaels has come back. Yes, Michaels um, jeans. Yep. Yeah, and uh, Lesnar against The Rock. Oh, amazing. So, uh, yeah, I, I saw it. I, I remembered, the only things I remembered God, were Lesnar Rock. Re- Lesnar Rock and Michaels Triple H. I thought, yeah, that's that's that show. And then when I looked at the card, I was seeing some of the other matchups and I was thinking, oh, yeah. Yeah, let's do this. I was a huge testicle at this point, so I am looking forward to Undertaker <laughs> Test. I have to be honest with you. Awesome. Was Test part of the Americans then as well? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Who, who was that Christian Landstorm Test? And uh, William Regal, Regal was in it. Uh, I can't remember how long it actually lasted. Maybe like less than a year or something like that. But yeah, they're the four members. Um that yeah, sounds like an amazing, that sounds really, really stacked. Yeah, it does. I'm hoping it's as good as I, I think it will be, but we'll see. Amazing. <laughs> I look forward to seeing what the sort of storylines are and all that sort of stuff. I don't remember anything about Triple H and Shawn Michaels at that point. Uh, I think from from memory, I think it's like Michaels is back. Ah, uh, buddy, buddy. Actually, no, Triple H is going to turn on him because he's the man now. Type thing, you know. So is that before or after? That elimination chamber before, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm quite, I'm quite enthusiastic for watching it. So that's kind of ruthless aggression. Yeah, round about kickoff. Yeah, just I think just edging away from attitude. So yeah, edge, edge yeah. versus Eddie Guerrero. Brilliant. Yep. What a choice, Adam. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm quite pleased with it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, see, so so we kind of swithered about whether to start on a new year or not, didn't we? Um, yeah. And we talked about year two thousand, but this yeah. there's just so much to choose from that that maybe we should yeah. just keep doing this for a while and just picking uh, some. Yeah, out. I think I think we're certainly not closing the door to doing another year. I think what we talked about was the two companies and going back and forth was pretty difficult, yes. and it, we were basically dreading what we were going to have to watch before doing a show, which isn't ideal. Um, so if we do do it, uh, we'd be focusing on just WWE. Um and potentially yeah, year two thousand was one that certainly stood out as one to look at. But um we'll we'll see about looking at that in the in the future. Aye. Yeah. Well I'm excited. That's a great choice. Well, I hope it lives up to uh well who did you say main event was? Triple H uh, or Michaels? No, the oh, main ev- the main Rock, event. Rock. Yeah. I don't yeah. think either of them will have been on crack with Jim Nightheart. Probably not. I'd be surprised. Aye. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> well, until then, episode 28, SummerSlam 2002. Can't wait. Awesome. Um, great. Well, if you enjoyed SummerSlam 1992, give us a shout on Instagram at OutlawsPod. Um, we would love to hear from you. And if you've been smoking crack with Jim Neidhart for a full <laughs> month, let us know. If that has an impact on your memory, the same way it did on uh, David Boy Smith's. Um, And until then, Adam, 
I shall speak to you for episode 28. Awesome. Excellent. Cheers, buddy. Thank you.